Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, good morning, Calvary. Hey, so good to see you today. Welcome to those of you here in the sanctuary with us, as well as those of you that may be in Auditorium 2. Welcome those of you joining us online, or maybe you're here by way of television or podcast. It is an honor to have you here. Grab your Bibles with me, if you would, please, and turn to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4 is where we will be today, and in just a few moments, we will be coming to the Lord's table. So I hope that when you came into the auditoriums today, you were able to pick up the communion elements. If not, they're right outside the entrances on both the upper level and here on the main floor. And if you're joining us by a screen somewhere, I'd encourage you maybe take a moment and see if you can find something that would represent the bread and the cup to join us in the time of communion at the end of the service. Well, I wanna thank Pastor Matthew Ford for bringing a good word last week. And uh, yeah, absolutely. One question that'll change your life, and I'm gonna be super honest. Can I be super honest today? I don't like to miss church. I just, I just don't like to miss it. Last week, I didn't care. Uh, last week, we were out of time. Can I show you a picture of what I was doing while you were in church? This, this is Lewis, and I get to be his grandpa. And, uh, and Rhonda gets to be his grandma. That's part of the, the package deal there. And uh, our daughter, Chris, and her husband, Daniel, welcome Lewis on the second. And uh, he's a good looking boy, is he not? Those jeans are strong. And uh, I think we got another picture here. This yeah, uh, Friday was his one-week birthday. Don't they grow so fast? <laughs> this was it. He's just a good-looking fella. You know, I have spent, uh, I mean, we've, we've been here over 20 years. So I've spent decades listening to so many of you people tell your grandparents stories. <laughs> and it's time for payback. I'm telling you. I'm sorry, you wanted another picture? Yeah, I happen to have one, actually. Uh, yeah. This one is entitled, Train Up a Child in the Way They Should Go. And so, yeah, we're, pe people said, you have a different smile on your face. And yeah, I think I do. Hey, we are in a series of messages that we are calling Follow Me. We are working our way through the Gospel of Matthew. We've been in chapters three and four, and uh, we're gonna pick up today in verse 17 of Matthew chapter four. It's interesting, if you remember, when we got to chapter three, we, we were two and a half chapters into the gospel of Matthew before we ever even hear Jesus speak. And then after just a short dialogue that he has with John the Baptist, then the next time you hear him speak are three statements that he makes to the devil during the temptations that happened in the wilderness. Then the next time we hear Jesus speak, and don't you think it's important we pay attention to his words? The next time we hear him speak is in Matthew chapter four, verse 17, and it is the first recorded sermon that we have from Jesus. Now, we're gonna have a lot of other ones. Like when we get into, in just a few weeks, Matthew's uh, chapters five, six, and seven, that's what we refer to as the Sermon on the Mount. You ever heard of that? One of the most influential passages, not just in scripture, I think in all of literature, 
And it's a, it's a powerful passage of scripture that we'll look at, long sermon. We, we get four or five of those in Matthew. Matthew chapter 24 is a long sermon on the end times. Like we'll get to these. But before we ever get to this, in Matthew chapter four, verse 17, we have Jesus' first sermon. I remember my first one. I, I remember I was a kid in high school and our youth pastor said, uh, hey, Chad, would you, would you preach one Wednesday night to the youth group? And I think in part, he maybe saw something in me that he was trying to nurture in part, he just wanted a week off, right? I, I, I know what was going on, but I can, I can tell you, I remember very clearly sitting on that pew in that chapel. It had these like vinyl seats. Do you remember that? Kind of just nasty. And um, sitting there, and he's up there giving the announcements and you know, introducing me and stuff. And I remember just both hands holding onto that Bible I can just see the cover of it still in my mind, in part because I think I put indentations in the Bible. So I was holding it so fast, uh, firmly. I, I was so nervous. I remember I preached out of Proverbs. I remember walking up there to speak, and that's the last thing I remember, right? You just kind of, the rest of it's just a blur from that point. It's, it's important that you pay attention oftentimes to the first things that happen because they set a tone in a certain way. So here's Jesus First recorded sermon, Matthew chapter four, verse 17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. First, first recorded sermon, <laughs> it's not even that long of a sentence, is it? He says, hey, the kingdom's here, so pay attention. What is God's kingdom? When we think of the word kingdom, especially in our kind of Lord of the Rings days, right? <laughs> When we think a kingdom, we think a territory, we think a land, we think a geographic state, but that's not what God's talking about. He's not talking about a geographic state. He, he's talking about a spiritual state, that when the scripture uses the word kingdom, it's talking about God's rule and his reign. It's talking about his authority. The Jewish people in that time thought the Messiah would come and he would rule over a territory, that he would set up a short-term human kingdom. It's not what Jesus came to do. He didn't come to set up some kingdom that would someday be toppled. He came to set up a kingdom that would last for eternity and that would not just change geography but would change our hearts, right? Isn't that what the kingdom is about? Now we will, as we go through the Gospel of Matthew, come back to this theme of kingdom over and over and over again. But here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, the kingdom's here, so you have a choice to make. If you remember, John the Baptist preached a sermon in, in the beginning of chapter three, just to look at it real quick, Matthew chapter three, verse one. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Close to Jesus' sermon? <laughs> Identical, <laughs> right? That was the theme that they were bringing, but it's, it's on different people's lips. So because it's on different people's lips, it means a little something different. When John says repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near, what he's saying is, hey, you better get ready. The kingdom's almost here. But when Jesus says it, he's saying, hello, everyone. The kingdom's here. So now you have to choose. You have a choice to make. And here's the question, which kingdom will you choose? Pastor Matt did a really good job last week of asking us questions, giving us some things to consider. Some of us have tough choices to make. Like, like for some of you, the toughest choice you'll make all week is where to go to lunch in about 90 minutes from now, right? Not upset the rest of the family. Or you might be making choices about relationships. 
or about jobs or about health, or people, friends, family, like we could unpack it on and on and on. And when you're making those decisions, maybe a question that really needs to come to our mind in a way that we don't often think about it is which kingdom will you choose? Because actually, that's the whole heart of Jesus' sermon that he preaches. He says, look, the kingdom's here, so what are you gonna do with it? How are you gonna respond to it? And, and I wanna give you some options, maybe some choices today to help you decide which kingdom are you going to choose? Like, like let's start here. Five things, actually, we'll kind of look at. Do, do you wanna choose the seen or the unseen kingdom? Like, wh which one will you choose? The kingdom that is seen or the kingdom that is unseen? To, to kind of unpack what we mean by that, what, what we're talking about there, let's go back to something we looked at, kind of a theological concept we looked at several weeks ago. Here, here's the chart that we used where we talked about the now but not yet. The now but the not yet. Now currently we live in what we'll just refer to as this age, or this is what we might call the present kingdom, or the kingdom that we live in right now. So kind of down here is creation, down here is when Jesus comes again. Many of us believe that we're kind of getting pretty close to the end here, amen? And that Jesus is coming again. So we live in this age. This is the world that we see. This is where we are right now. But when Jesus came the first time, Christmas, incarnation, when he came and lived, and then when he died and rose again, he not only came and broke into this kingdom, he initiated or inaugurated kind of two things. One, what we would refer to as the end times or the last days. You ever heard those terms? Well, the last days, Acts chapter two tells us, started with Jesus coming, with the church being born, with his death, with his resurrection, like all those things initiated the last days in this kingdom, but it also inaugurated and began God's heavenly kingdom that will last for eternity. So we live in this very interesting time where our lives are still here in this kingdom. and this world, this kingdom is still broken, is it not? Like sin still has it messed up. So that's why there will still be drama and there'll still be war and there'll still be sickness and conflict and hurt and pain and death. That still happens because we're still in this kingdom and yet we already know and have the benefits of the kingdom to come. This kingdom here that will go on, this one's gonna end. When is this one gonna end? <laughs> oh, help me out. When's this one gonna end? Okay, we were gonna have to go backwards and teach some things. You didn't wanna be here that long, you're hungry. Yeah, that's the age to come. It's gonna go on for eternity. So understand this, we live in this kingdom that is seen, but already we live in this kingdom that is not seen. We have all the benefits of eternity now, but not yet. Our citizenship is here in heaven, scripture says. Isn't that true? So we're citizens of this kingdom, but we're stewards of this one. Like we still have to live in this world, this kingdom, this now, these finances, these families, this health, these decisions, all the practical implications of day-to-day -day life. We still live in this kingdom, but our hope is where? <laughs> it's in this kingdom. Citizens here, stewards there. This is what we see, this is the unseen. And so we're waiting for the day when this one ends, Jesus comes back, we go to be with him, and then that kingdom lasts forever. It's now, but it's not yet. Are you, are you still with me? So the trick is then, how do we live down here, but keep our focus up there? 
John helps us with this, and so does Paul. We're not gonna talk about John. Here's Paul, sorry about that. <laughs> Paul says this, therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Isn't that an encouraging phrase? <laughs> though outwardly we are wasting away. When little Lewis was born, we were privileged to be able to go up and hang out with him in the hospital afterwards, and so... Ron and I were up there, and Daniel and Chris are up there, and you know we're, we're taking turns holding the baby, and I, I still think I got ripped off on the amount of time I got to <laughs> hold the baby. You know, So Lewis is getting passed around and stuff, and the care she got at the hospital in Columbus where they live was just fantastic. They were, they were wonderful, and all the, all the nurses were so helpful, and it was just really cool to watch and see that whole process. One came in, though, who was wonderful. She was great. She just needed a little training on how to win friends and influence people. Do you know what I'm talking about? Great. She did her job well. Did great. Very caring, very loving. She comes in, checks on Krista, checks on the baby and all this kind of stuff. And then as she's walking out of the room, she stops and she looks at me, and she goes, well, who are you? She, she, goes, she goes, you must be Grandpa. And I said, I sure am. I'm Lewis's grandpa. And then she looks over at Rhonda and she goes, oh, and, and you must be an aunt. <laughs> which, is, which is, I get it. Like, I understand why she said that. But I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna let her walk out of the room like that. And I says, hey, back the truck up just a, just a minute. I said, well, what was it that made you say that that's an aunt and she's grandma, but you looked at me and just right away said grandpa. And all of a sudden she had to rush off to another patient. Like she just kind of, she's going, ah, well, <laughs> oh. <laughs> and then she does this, she literally does this. Well, you know, um, yeah, I know. You're not getting a tip. That's what I know. I don't think, I don't think you tip nurses. You know what I mean. But here's what I was reminded. Though outwardly or we are wasting away. And I'm like, lady, look, gray up here. But you see the vibrancy with the rest of the guy, don't you? At least that's what I tell myself. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. He says, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So, don't miss this last verse, verse 18. So, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Do you see the difference in the kingdoms here? There's a kingdom that's seen, and we live in it right now, but it's only temporary, so we focus on what is unseen because that's what's eternal. So here's my hope for you, is you won't let the outward wasting away. You won't let the light and momentary struggles. You won't let the challenges that you face, and let's just be honest, when those challenges come your way, do they feel light and momentary? Do they feel like they're not gonna last forever? <laughs> no, we oftentimes look at the struggles and challenges in life and we let our lives be defined by them because that's what we're focusing on. And the trick is to say, I live in this kingdom. I'm a steward of this kingdom, but I belong to this one. And so my focus is not just on what I see. I have to focus on what is unseen. How you approach something is determined by how you see something. So guess what? That nurse who I know the Lord loves her, but when all she looked at was here, all she saw was here, but there's so much more. <laughs> how you look at something determines how you see something. 
So when those light and momentary struggles come knocking on your door tomorrow, when you step into the challenges that are waiting for you when you get into the parking lot, when you turn this service off and go back to the rest of your week, how are you gonna view the kingdoms that you're in? Because one's not gonna last, but one will. What does that mean, Chad? Tell me what this looks like. Well, let me give you a real concrete example because there's a good chance that you will face one of those struggles maybe within the next 24 hours. Something to do with your health. Somebody you're gonna encounter at work tomorrow. A question you gotta answer with regards to family. And it might be conflict, it might be fear, it might be uncertainty, it might be opportunity. And in those moments, we can have a tendency to just focus on what we see. But Paul says this, Ephesians chapter six, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood that we can see but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Here's what he says. Look, the, the, the battle you're facing, the fight you're in, it's not with the things that you see. Ultimately, it's with the things you don't see. So don't get so caught up in what you see that you forfeit the benefits of what you can't see. Does that make sense? How do you do that? Hebrews chapter 11, verse one, the author of Hebrews says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for, it is the evidence of things we cannot see. So, so put a bookmark there real quick because we're not focusing on a kingdom that we can see. We're focusing on a kingdom that we can't see. And some of us need to ask God to help us. Well, God, what is it then that I'm supposed to be seeing, looking at, focusing on from your kingdom? Well, well let's dig in a little bit deeper because you have a choice to make. When you, when you decide what kingdom you will choose, you have to decide, will you choose the seen kingdom or the unseen one? Here's a second thought. You have to choose the, the kingdom of light or the kingdom of darkness. Like, which one will you choose? The kingdom of light or the kingdom of darkness? One of the things when you preach that's really important, anytime you communicate with someone, whether it's family or you have to give a presentation or trying to have a conversation with somebody about a difficult issue, and especially true if you're, you're communicating publicly, you have to ask some questions. Who is it that I'm speaking to? Where am I? And when is it that I'm trying to communicate this? Because where you are, who they are, what time it is, as far as like, you know, in culture, but even the time of day, you're always most awake at 10 o'clock. Thank you so much, right? When you communicate, right, makes a difference in how you communicate, doesn't it? Context is incredibly important. So we need to think about this sermon that Jesus is preaching, when he's preaching it, why he's preaching it, where he's preaching it, who he's preaching to. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at the verses before his sermon. So let's rewind just one verse, verse 16, because this sermon he preaches, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near, is fulfilling a prophecy that was in the book of Isaiah. It's Matthew chapter four, verse 16, and it says the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light is dawned. Now, we'll unpack for a moment exactly who these people are, but you've got to understand that in the context of Jesus saying the kingdom is here, he's saying, look, it's a kingdom of light that is breaking into your darkness. And there's darkness in the world all around you. That was true 2,000 years ago. Is it still true today? There's darkness in the world all around us. And if there is, then we need to know what we're focusing on. Are we focusing on the darkness or on the light of God's kingdom. Because God's kingdom brings a light to us that changes things. This verse that we're reading is actually a prophecy from Isaiah chapter nine. And let's take a look at that. Isaiah chapter nine, verse two, says the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. 
on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. Let's talk about what light does. Because especially if in some way in your life right now, you feel some kind of darkness. Maybe I say darkness and you go, I can't think of a better word for how I felt. A heaviness, a weight, a burden. Some of you would say darkness is a good analogy for where I'm at because I feel like I'm just stumbling and I don't know where to go. And I don't know what to do. Darkness might be a good analogy for some of us because if you ever had those moments in the middle of the night where there's a heaviness or a fear or loneliness, maybe even like a, a spiritual battle that you can just feel in those moments. And Jesus says, into that land of darkness, I've come to bring light. And light brings joy. It's right there in that passage. Light brings joy. There's something about when the dawn breaks and the darkness is over and the light has come. Isn't that true? Like if you look into Celtic spirituality from say the 400s, 500s, 600s, that season of time, one of the things that you'll see in their writings was an appreciation for the sunrise. That they would worship God almost in some ways in connection with the sunrise, not because God was the sun, but because the sun was a reminder that God was bringing them a new day. And with that day came joy. Light not only brings joy, but light brings clarity. Have you ever stumbled around in the dark? <laughs> it's good when you can turn on a light, when you can see where you're going. And light brings a fresh start. It lets me know I get to begin this again. The sun came up today, did you know that? Guess what it's gonna do tomorrow? <laughs> it's gonna come up again. Lamentations chapter three, verse 22, because the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I don't know about you, but I need new compassions and mercies every day. Anybody else? And he brings that. You don't live in a kingdom if you're living in this kingdom up here that is marked by darkness, a lack of joy, uncertainty. Even though we will feel that at times down here, we know that our light comes from the kingdom we live in up here. Does that make sense? So we need to hold on to that and trust in that and believe that he will bring light to us. Now, some of you then go, hey, Chad, that's cool, but, and it preaches really good, and I know that's what scripture says, but can I tell you this? A lot of mornings I wake up and instead saying, oh, good, a sunrise. I say, oh, another day of that. Another day of that broken relationship. Another day of that job. Another day of that disappointment. Another day when I'm stuck here. And oftentimes what can happen is even though God wants his kingdom to bring us light, we can still find ourselves in a place of despair. So when Jesus showed up preaching this sermon, he said, the kingdom's here, so you have to choose. Do you want a kingdom that's seen or unseen? A kingdom of light or darkness? And then kind of the third question he's asking them is are you believing for a kingdom of hope or despair? Especially if you find yourself in a place of despair. Remember I, I told you that one of the most important things about understanding this sermon from Jesus, you have to understand the context. Like you have to understand 
when he preached it and who he preached it to and where he was when he was preaching these things. So we're gonna rewind now all the way up to verse 12 in Matthew chapter four. And we're, we're gonna talk a little bit of history and a little bit of theology. So, so it, might, it might mean you have to lean in just a little bit more with me. Is that okay? Will you do that? Everybody just lean in a little bit more. Lean, lean in just a little bit. Okay, you're too close to the person in front of you. Okay, here we go. Matthew chapter four, verse 12. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, John who? Well, that's John the Baptist, who we read about in chapter three. And we're not gonna talk right now about why John was put in prison. Matthew kind of gives a little teaser here. He just lets you know John's going to prison. We won't get back to that till chapter 11, actually, when we find out why and what happens to him. But you gotta understand this. John is not only the one who announced Jesus coming, but he's Jesus' probably friend. He was Jesus' cousin. He, he was the precursor to Jesus. And Jesus is now going, oh, wow, John's in prison because he'd been put in prison. Then Jesus withdrew to Galilee. The reason he went to Galilee is because he was in Judea. And in Judea, they had a ruler, Herod Archelaus, who was the one that put John in prison. And Jesus says, I need to get out of here because I'm doing the same things John's doing. So if that's gonna happen to John, it might happen to me. So are you saying, did Jesus run for his life? Yeah, he did, because that was the right thing to do here. And he withdrew to Galilee and leaving Nazareth, that's the little town Jesus grew up in, right? He's from Nazareth, kind of a sleepy, off the beaten track, small little town. And he went and lived in Capernaum, Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali. Capernaum is a very different town from Nazareth. It was bustling, as we'll see in a moment. It was on a major trade route in that time. <clears throat> he goes on to say that this was to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun and Naphtali. If you're looking for names for boys, may I suggest? Who's Zebulun and Naphtali? Well, they were two of the sons of Jacob, two of the tribes of Israel. And when those tribes were given land, the land of Zebulun and Naphtali was up around the northern parts of the Sea of Galilee in that region. And both Nazareth and Capernaum, these cities we've looked at in Galilee, were in the tribal regions of Zebulun and Naphtali. The reason those names are mentioned is because they're going back to this prophecy. Land of Zebulun and Naphtali, the way of the sea, what does that mean, way of the sea? If you were gonna come from Assyria or Babylon over in kind of the, the modern day Middle East and you wanted to get to the Mediterranean, the trade route in that day called the Via Mara, which was the way of the sea, would have taken you right through Galilee. One of the major stops was the city of Capernaum. So it was a busy trafficked road. That area had all kinds of trade going on. And the reason it's called Galilee of the Gentiles is because there was so much international traffic that went through there that by the time of Jesus, at least half of the population was Gentile, not Jewish. Does that make sense? Which is a pretty good place if you want your message to go around the world. It's not a bad place to preach it, is it? Here's the rest of the prophecy, verse 16. The people living in darkness have seen a great light, and on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And I know that anytime we walk through some of those things that are kind of historical or prophetic or that kind of stuff, some of your eyes just kind of glaze over a little bit. So can I ask you just to kind of come back and join me for a minute? Because if you don't, I'll show more baby pictures. Like, I'll do it. 
Here's what's so significant about Jesus preaching to these people in this place at that time. The prophecy from Isaiah that goes back hundreds of years goes back to a time when Isaiah's writing to them and when the Assyrians came through and took over that part, conquered that part of the world, one of the places that they decimated was Zebulun and Naphtali. So these people knew what it was like to have their whole world crushed. And Isaiah's saying, there's a light that's coming for you. There's hope in your despair. And several hundred years before Jesus was born, the same thing happens again because there's this war that's going on during the Hasmonean dynasty, and it's a long story, but they get crushed again. And then just a few decades before Jesus is born, there's an uprising, and Herod the Great comes in, and he almost wipes out a vast majority of Jewish people in that part of the world. So over and over and over again, these people have known nothing but despair and oppression and frustration, and they've been crushed. And then Jesus shows up, and he stands up, and he says to them, the kingdom's here and there's hope for you. And I know you feel like you've had it over and over and over again, but that's changing now because I'm here. So you choose. Do you want hope or do you want despair? And think of Jesus preaching that. He's standing there knowing that his cousin, his buddy John's in prison. And when one of them Herod boys puts you in prison, there's a good chance you're not coming out. And so Jesus is also on the run, experiencing loss and conflict. He's left little Nazareth. He's in big Capernaum. He's trying to build a team. He's got all these things going on. Now, Jesus was fully God, but was he also fully man? So when I talk about loss and conflict and anxiety, and when I talk about pressure, do you think Jesus felt all those same things? Scripture says he felt the same things you feel and he's got to get up in front of these folks and say, I know you feel despair, but hope is here. Now, I don't know what you're carrying watching or listening to this message. I don't know what you're experiencing sitting in the seats in this building today. I just know this, that Jesus offers hope even in the midst of despair. And even when you can't see it, and even when you think darkness has taken over, and even when you feel like you've taken a hit over and over and over and over again, Jesus shows up and says, you're only looking at the kingdom you can see. Can I tell you there's a kingdom you can't see? And that one's filled with hope, if you'll trust in me. Romans chapter eight, verse 24 tells us this. For in this hope we are saved. But hope that's seen is no hope at all. Who, who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have yet, we wait for it patiently. Can I encourage you, if you know that there's hope in this kingdom, but all you're feeling right now is despair in this one, wait and trust in him patiently because hope will not disappoint. And someday you'll look back and see that the unseen kingdom is gonna conquer the seen one and the blessings will be more than you can ask or imagine. Do you believe that? Which then causes us to go. <laughs> it, it causes us to go. Okay, Jesus shows up, kingdom's here. You choose, seen or unseen, light or darkness. Um, you, you can choose between hope 
or despair. And then there's another choice he, he gives them. He says, do you want the kingdom of healing or, or one of brokenness? And when I say brokenness, I don't, I don't mean that all of us, there's times when we need to be broken before the Lord. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe a better word's just busted. Is our world busted? <laughs> it's broken. That's why in this world, in, in this kingdom, we don't yet fully know the perfection of this one. And we live in a world in need of healing. And Jesus said he could bring it. So let's, let's fast forward a little bit, right? Jesus preaches his first sermon and then he goes on tour. And as he's kind of moving through Galilee, well, let's go to it. Matthew chapter four, verse 23. Jesus went throughout Galilee during that time, probably about 204 little communities, villages, towns in that region. So he had plenty of places to preach. He went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. On Wednesday night, we had our first Wednesday service that we do the, the first Wednesday of each month. And so that was this last Wednesday. And we just had a really cool time in the Lord's presence and just prayed together. And it was, it was a powerful time. And our focus was on healing, how Jesus is our healer, divine healing. And if you weren't with us Wednesday night, and maybe that's, that's something you have questions about or you're seeking, you can go out to our website or Facebook or YouTube and search for Toledo Calvary. And you can find that message there, the, the service from Wednesday night. But we... I wanna rewind something because we looked at this passage of scripture a little bit and one of the things that we saw is that Jesus talks about he was teaching in the synagogues and what he was teaching was scripture. Like he was giving them truth. And then based on that truth, he was proclaiming all, all throughout that region and what he was giving them was the good news and the message, <laughs> the good news is, hey, the kingdom's here. <laughs> it's good news. Have you ever known anybody who makes promises they can't keep? Anybody? Like they say, oh, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. And then they never back it up. They're all talk, no action. Have you ever known anybody like that? Right? Well, Jesus didn't wanna be that person. So he was teaching in the synagogues, he was proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God, and he was healing people everywhere he went. So he wasn't just talk about scripture, he wasn't just proclaiming good news. When he was healing, he was showing up and saying the kingdom's here, and I got the power to prove it. Because in the kingdom, we make everything new. Now you might not see it all until you're here, but while you're here, he's still our healer, is he not? He's the one who heals us and he's showing up with authority and he's saying, I'm not only the one who has talk, I'm the one who has power and he can come in and he can make a difference in our lives. One of the reasons that some of us feel stuck, we feel like we can't move forward, we feel like we can't get past the places in our lives that need healing, sometimes physically, sometimes spiritually, sometimes even emotionally or mentally, where we need some kind of healing is because we've never allowed Jesus to actually bring healing to our lives by his power. We keep trying to do it ourselves. Now, I don't know, we, we looked at this about a year ago in, in August of, of last year about healing, and we, we talked a little bit in a series we did called One Small Step about why sometimes there isn't healing, and that's, that's not for today. We don't, we don't have time for that today. But here's what I want you to see. If Jesus is our healer, we have to choose, do we wanna let him be or not? And we talked about the fact that when Jesus showed up, we looked at this Wednesday night, that when Jesus showed up, one of the reasons that he showed up was because he was opening up the kingdom for us. 
You ever been somewhere where you needed to get through a door and that door was locked and you knew you didn't have the key? That happens to me every so often around here because I don't keep all my keys on me all the time. And so every so often I'll get to a door. I'm like, oh man, I don't have that key on me. And so I'll call Jim Phillips. Do any of you know Jim Phillips? He's our maintenance guru at Calvary. He's, he's the secret sauce around here. And you call Jim, Jim, can you help me? And he says, I'll be there right away. And Jim flies in and he's got all the keys and he opens the doors. And when you get to a place where you're stuck, you, you need someone who has the keys to open up that door for you, to help you to know that direction and where you're gonna go. So I use that same analogy on Wednesday night and then right after service, Leah walked up to me and she says, hey, do you have a key to such and such? I need to get in there real quick. I said, sure do. So I handed her my keys and I went one direction and she went the other and then I tried to get in a door and I didn't have my keys. <laughs> so I had to hunt somebody down who had a key <laughs> and I was reminded all over again, there are moments in our lives where we try to move things forward, where we try to fix something, where we try to do something, where we get stuck in some way, whatever it is. And at some point, you're just gonna stay there unless you go to the guy who has the key and you put your trust in him. That's why Jesus showed up in Matthew chapter four and he said, kingdom's here, but you choose, seen or unseen, light or darkness, hope or despair, healing or brokenness. And ultimately, ultimately, the, the whole thing we've talked about comes down to one last thing. You have to choose either the kingdom of God or the kingdom of self. Which will it be? Kingdom of God or kingdom of self? Because ultimately, you just break it down. Either you're just focused down here in this kingdom you're down here in this one and you keep looking to yourself or ultimately you realize that there is another kingdom and you focus there. Jesus' sermon again, Matthew chapter four, verse 17. Jesus said, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. He's saying, look, if the kingdom's here, then, then you have to choose. Why the word repent? Because the meaning of repent is that you have a change in your mind, heart, and direction. And you say, I'm gonna stop going that way and I'm gonna start going this way because I recognize that that way I'm building this kingdom. But when I repent, when I go in the other direction, that's when I start building this one. Does that make sense? So every single one of us has a decision that we have to make because here's the challenge and, and maybe this will help us with a little bit of a picture to understand it. The, the challenge is this. We actually find ourselves living in two different kingdoms, do we not? Like the reality is, we're physically in this kingdom, but we belong to this one. And we're already there now, but not yet. <laughs> we're citizens of this one, but stewards of this one. Are you tracking with me? So how do we live if we find ourselves in two different kingdoms? This is a steering wheel. And if it was your car in the parking lot, my apologies. <laughs> Let's imagine that I'm sitting in a car and I'm driving and I'm driving in the United States of America. And in the United States of America, when we drive, we drive on the right-hand side of the road, which means that the driver's side is on the left and the passenger side is on the right. Can I get an amen? amen. United States. 
But just make a little switch and go to the United Kingdom. It's different, isn't it? If you've ever been to the United Kingdom, England, Scotland, Ireland, Wales, if you've been to the Bahamas, if you've been maybe to South Africa, some other places that have a, a British heritage commonwealth like that, instead of driving the way we drive, they drive over here, do they not? So they drive where they drive on the left side of the road, and so the driver sits on the right side of the vehicle and the passenger in the left. Are you with me? So in the United States, we drive on the right, and that's right. In the United Kingdom, they drive on the left, and that's wrong. Amen. <laughs> right? And so it can get a little confusing, especially if you've done some, some traveling or you've done some of these things. I remember um, being in South Africa years ago with a certain missionary who should remain nameless, Leah, and... <laughs> I'm thrown off enough by the wrong side of the road. I've never seen anybody drive and increase my prayer life like that before. So you've got all these things. Once I, I was in the Bahamas with some friends and this car that we rented was a car that was being driven in the Bahamas, but it was made in Detroit. So we were driving on the wrong side of the road in a car that had a steering wheel on the wrong side of the car. That'll help you pray. Right, it all gets real confusing real fast. And so what's interesting is when you're in different kingdoms, you drive in different ways, don't you? <laughs> and the same thing's true in our lives. Look, we, we wanna live in an eternal kingdom that is right, but we actually find ourselves physically in a kingdom that drives in a different way. And so at some point, you have to decide, you have to make a decision, which kingdom do I belong to? Because if you're gonna drive over here, you actually might get farther at times. The problem is that this lane ends at some point. Like this kingdom doesn't last forever. The kingdom that lasts forever is over here. The, the one that, that, that's, that's the right way, let's say, for you to drive in God's eternal kingdom, in the kingdom of light and hope, in the kingdom of healing, in the kingdom you can't see. The trick is that sometimes you find yourselves wanting to drive in this way, but you have to choose, are you going to drive in the way that makes sense for eternity? Does that make sense? So you've got to make a decision in all of this. And ultimately, some of us, what we try to do is we go, well, I'll just swerve back and forth between the kingdoms. Well, that's an accident waiting to happen, isn't it? And I can tell you, most of the mistakes I've made in life, most of the challenges I've faced, is when I forget which kingdom I really belong to. And I start cruising over here and come to the realization, this kingdom's not gonna last. In fact, the real question comes down to this. Which king will you serve? Like who will be your king? Because it's not just a matter of which seat you're in. The reality is God does things differently in his kingdom, does he not? These kingdoms are not the same. Now we've looked at one of Jesus' shortest sermons today, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. In a couple of weeks we'll, we'll dig into one of his longer sermons and we're gonna look at the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter five, six, and seven. It'll take us weeks to get through that. That wasn't a threat. That's just, it's a lot of material. It's a lot of material. But here's why. Because you know what the whole point of the Sermon on the Mount is? The whole point of the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus says, 
Hey, in my kingdom, we do things differently. You can't read the Sermon on the Mount and not hear Jesus say to his times and to our culture, hey, we do things differently in my kingdom. In this kingdom, we do everything we can to get ahead. In my kingdom, blessed are the meek. In this kingdom, your morals, your ethics, your sexuality, anything goes. Jesus says, in my kingdom, there's a way that we do things that's different and honors God. In this kingdom, we say, hey, you get all you can. You gather up riches. And in this kingdom, Jesus says, store up treasures for yourself in heaven. Over here in this kingdom, it says, hey, if they did something to you, you get back at them. Over here in this kingdom, Jesus says, love your enemies and turn the other cheek. Over here in this kingdom, it says, I don't know how I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna have to fight. I'm gonna have to make it happen. I'm so worried about these things. And Jesus says, over here in this kingdom, I say, be anxious for nothing. You you seek first the kingdom of God. Do you see the difference between the kingdoms? And at some point, we have to decide which kingdom are you gonna live in? Because far too many of us pretend we're in this kingdom when we're actually driving over here And it might feel good for a while because you might even make progress. I'm just telling you at the end, this one runs out of gas. It goes to nowhere. And it's only this kingdom that lasts forever. That's that's good, Chad. Except here's, here's the problem. My physical body, my person, the things I see are over here. So how am I supposed to drive in this kingdom when I live in this one. You know the answer to that is? You were never supposed to have the steering wheel in your hands in the first place. Because living in that kingdom only happens when you trust in him. When you make him your king instead of yourself. When you put your kingdom in his hands, that's what makes all the difference. And so can I invite you just to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment? Simple question today. In just a moment, we're gonna come to the Lord's table. We're gonna remember what Jesus did for us. But before we get there, who's your king? Who have you made king of your life? And and I'm saying not just that 30,000 foot view because it's real easy for us to go, oh yeah, 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 Jesus is king. I'm in his kingdom. But who's, who's king when you're on the job? Who's king when you go to school? Who's, who's king in your friendships or in your marriage? Who's king when you start listening to those reports about your health? Who's king when temptation comes knocking on your door? Who's king when the darkness of the night starts closing in? Who's king when it feels like you've taken one hit after the other? Who's king when it's so easy to focus on the things that we see? And for every one of us, we need to ask the question today in this room, listening to this message, watching it on a screen somewhere. Is Jesus king of your life? For some of us, this is a moment where we need to pass the steering wheel over to him and say, Jesus, I give you this part of my life. 
But I also would guess that in a, in a group this size, there's gotta be somebody who says, Chad, at one point, I know that Jesus was my king, but the pool of this kingdom, the one we live in here and now, has caused me to become my own king, to choose my own life instead of trusting in him. And I realize that I can't do it anymore and that today I need to surrender myself completely to him and make Jesus king of my life. Or, or maybe he's never been the king of your life. And you know that you've, you've looked so many other places, you've searched in so many other ways, and today you would just say, Jesus, I can't do it on my own anymore. I need your forgiveness. I need purpose in my life. I give my life to you today and make you my king. The very most important decision you'll ever make will have to do with these kingdoms and deciding who will be king. And it's only when Jesus is our savior, our Lord, the one who leads our lives, that we truly find what life's all about. So, so just a simple question. If you're here today and you know that Jesus is your savior, your Lord, that he's king of your life, would you just raise your hand right where you are, in this room, watching somewhere? That's awesome. Second question, if you'd say, Chad, I'm not so sure about that, but today I need to begin or begin again a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Today I make him king of my life. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right where you're at? You say, today I gotta make him king of my life. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thanks. Anybody else? Anybody else? I make him king. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. If you raised your hand either one of those times, would you, would you pray this prayer with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus, for sending your son to die for my sin. And I ask today that you would forgive my sin and be my savior. I give my life to you, my risen Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna ask you to take the communion elements with me, if you would, please. And uh, Calvary, we practice what we would refer to as an open communion. If you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you know him as your Savior and your Lord and that your sins are forgiven, then we invite you to join with us in this time of communion. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27 says, so then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. And so before we even step to the Lord's table, would you take a moment and examine your own heart? And if there is a place where you've been holding on to the, to the authority in your own life, and today you need to make Jesus king. You need to ask for his forgiveness. You need to surrender that part of your life to him. There's no better time than right now. Say, Jesus, I give myself to you. Paul says, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread. 
and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And Father, as we hold the bread in our hands, Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. That you gave your life. That you were broken and beaten and crucified. Not because any one of us have earned or deserved it. Lord, simply because you loved us. We thank you for your sacrifice today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's share in the bread together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And as you open the communion element of the cup, Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus, we thank you for your shed blood. And this cup is a symbol of that sacrifice. And Lord, as we share in it, we remember that it's because of the shed blood of Jesus that there is life and there's forgiveness and there's healing. Lord, there's people today who don't believe they can be forgiven. That's why you died. And there's people who don't believe that their lives can be healed. But Jesus, by your stripes, we're healed. And Lord, this cup reminds us that there's hope. And so we thank you today as we share in the cup together in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's share in the cup together. And can I ask you to stand with me if you would please? And uh, we are gonna conclude this service by just taking a moment and singing a song of praise to the Lord and thanking him for his love and what he's done for us, that he does bring us hope and light and purpose. Father, thanks for this truth. Thanks for being here today in our midst. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the way you speak to us. And God, thank you for your kingdom. May we live in it. May we love in it. God, may you change our hearts as we make you the king of our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing a song of praise together. Praise God. Praise God. From whom all blessings flow. Praise Him. Praise Him. For the wonders of His Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, praise Him, praise Him, praise Him for the wonders of His love. Praise God, praise God, praise Him, praise God, from whom all blessings flow.
Okay, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, let's keep our focus on that unseen kingdom this week. If you're here and you'd like someone to pray with you before you go, we'll have a team of some friends down here right after the service who would love to pray with you. Maybe you made a decision to follow Jesus today. I'd encourage you, if you're watching online, there's a link there that you can click. If you're watching by way of television, you can go out to our website at toledocalvary.org. Or if you're here in the building today, just find one of these friends down here after service. We'd love to pray with you. Have a Bible we wanna give to you. Just wanna say thanks for being here. I can tell you, it has been quite some time since I have been so excited about one of Calvary's Missions Weeks. Our Missions Week that's starting next Sunday is one you don't want to miss out on. We've got some life-changing guests and exciting things happen. Do not miss next Sunday morning. It's gonna be a great day. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday. Thanks for being here.